All right, guys, let's um, hear from each other. I think we have a runner. We have two runners here, so go ahead and just raise your hand. Whatever kind of question, comment, observation that you have about the passage or the connections between the two kind of sections, go ahead and just kind of raise your hand and uh, we'll get started here. Hi. Hey, what's up? So, who's the Queen of the South? <laughs> Thank you. Nobody knows about the Queen of the South? Yeah, it's a Narnia reference, you know? What's the one lady with the, the dragons with Game of Thrones? Yeah, 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 it's not her, so not her at all. No, it's Queen of Sheba, so that's kind of like in Africa, and it's down south, and so this is a queen that basically in First Kings, she shows up to like listen to Solomon, and she like brings a ton of people with her, and she basically heard this rumor about Solomon, that Solomon had wisdom and that he, he kind of knew what he was doing as far as like running a kingdom and being a king. And so she shows up and is like just moves there kind of over rivers and over mountains and over valleys. And like she just kind of shows up. And she, what she says is, is really interesting. She says, um, the report I've heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told to me. And so like, you know, that's just, that's who she is. And it's just a real short section, but she shows up basically looking for the wisdom of Yahweh, and she finds it. What else? Yeah, to me, this is really interesting that the Queen of the South and the Ninevites, the Ninevites they're both groups of Gentiles. They're foreigners. Yeah, and yeah. so there's this idea of like that these foreigners, these people on the outside, are going to stand in judgment of those on the inside, quote yes, unquote. Yes, yeah. Th those people yeah. are the heroes of this passage, right? Those people that don't know God, don't have the temple, don't listen to his laws, are the ones who are like finding God, re you know, responding to him, listening to him. Uh, and then the people that do know him the best, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, Israel, they're not responding to God. Like he provides that contrast with these people. These are foreigners. These are those people. It's those type of people, whoever that is for maybe us today, so... So I was just, from what was just said there and what our group was saying, I think, and I was thinking about your question, Jeremy, <clears throat> what connects the two? <clears throat> and to me, it's like, you know, the, like they said, the Gentiles are actually the ones that are judging, that the ones that are supposed to be God's people, who are supposed to be the light of the world. Yeah. And so it's like a confusion, you know, it's like we might think we have light in us, so we might think we're the light but we're actually in darkness, like the Israelite children were in darkness when they thought they were the light of the world. Yeah. So I was just thinking that kind of connects because, you know, what was just said earlier, mm -hmm. you know, it connects the two together. Yeah, yeah, you think you could see accurately and you can't. You're, you think you're the people that have the goods, but you don't. You know, you think that you're wealthy and well-clothed, and Jesus says in Revelation that you're actually naked and impoverished, you know, and so... Uh, and, and just so you know, some of the concepts in the ancient world of being able to see, they thought it wasn't like physics today where we say, okay, light bounces off of something and it comes into my eyeballs. It was like they, they perceived that there was light inside of you and then light came out of you and you were able to see stuff. So that's, so, it, you know, not knowing biology, that's some of the kind of lamp and light metaphor Jesus is touching on. The point being, something's wrong inside of you. 
Something's either right inside of you or wrong inside of you. And your ability to see the kingdom of God is based on that. So, um, just one last one, yeah. So we were kind of talking, you know, they're saying this is a wicked generation. Well, we're looking around and we're in a pretty wicked generation. And the That's hurtful, about, man. And the thing about it is, is hurtful. <laughs> every generation's wicked because we're measured up against an objective standard. That's the righteousness of God. Yeah. You know, so the fact that the light's in you or not in you, it's not that you're better or worse than another generation. It's whether or not you have God yeah. filling your life. Well, and, and we see that he's referencing past generations, like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, he's referencing these events, Jonah and the Queen of the South. So that was that generation, and this was this generation, and now we have our gen- Every generation has to repent and respond to the living God. We all have to, like, respond to him. So even in our own generation, we have to figure out, are we going to, you know, be found with the wicked generation, or will we be found with the Ninevites or the Queen of the South? So... Uh, let me, let me uh, jump in here. Let me just pray for us really quick. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, would you help us see you today? As for this in your name, God. Amen. Uh, I'm, I like camping. Does anybody else like camping? I, I, like, I like the s'mores. I like lighting stuff on fire. Um, I like the dirt of it. I don't like dirt, like, everywhere on my body, but, like, I don't mind being dirty a little bit, you know? Um, it's just like when it gets in the shorts, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not cool. But I like camping, and so, and I'm also really cheap, um, really, really frugal with my money, and so the, the most optimized vacation for my family is camping. And so we've taken our kids camping, I mean, uh, usually a couple times a year, and years ago, uh, we went camping to St. Augustine, and it's kind of, there's a beach that's pretty close to the state park, and we, we just had a great time. We get set up, and the kids are, are pretty small at this point, and they're running around, and they're just like, when can we eat s'mores? Um, that's all they want. They just want marshmallow and chocolate and graham crackers smashed together. That's all they really care about. And, and we get the tent set up, and, and we're trying to figure stuff out there. Uh, and our, our neighbor, our camping neighbor, you know, which is always kind of like weird, because um, you're like, hey, what's up? And I'm going to pretend like you're not there, because there's like a palm tree here, you know? <laughs> there's a wall between our villages. And so this guy, he just comes over. He's just like really friendly dude. He comes over and um, he's like, hey man, what's up? How you doing? I'm like, we just, we just got here. We're setting, you guys are setting up. Man, it's so cool. You're bringing your kids. That's awesome. And he starts telling me some of his story. And I'm on vacation. When I'm on vacation, I don't like to talk to people very much, especially strangers. Like I talk to strangers all the time and I, I try to be like a Jesus person all the time. And I just like try to shut that down on vacation. I'm just like, I'm like, dude, I just want to eat a s'more and play with my kids, and I don't want to, like, lose time with my family for you. But, you know, it just, it just looked right. Like, this guy was, like, really kind of engaging our family and, and, and me in particular. And he started telling me some of his story, and he said, you know, uh, you know, starts bringing up, like, God stuff. And I'm like, whoa, he doesn't know I'm a Christian yet. And I'm like, oh, wait, maybe this is, like, Jesus is doing something here. I'm on vacation, but maybe the sacrifice will be worth it. So I start, you know, tell me more about your story. He tells me, like, how he came to the Lord, and he starts, he starts asking me questions about my life. I'm like, well, I'm actually a missionary. He, basically, he was doing evangelism with me, right? He's, like, seeing if I'm a Christian. Like, he was going to share the gospel with me, and I was, like, I was like, wow, this is really cool. So I let him do it, and I was like, yeah, I got, I'm actually a missionary. It's like, we're good. Like, we're, we're brothers, man. Isn't this cool? And he's like, man, it's awesome. And he goes, 
I'm feeling led by the Spirit right now to give you this money. And he pulled out $100 and gave it to me. And I was like, praise God. <laughs> just, let's just, yes, Lord. Because, you know, underground folk, we just passed the whole bucket thing, but we don't get paid from that. You know what I'm saying? So like, hey, $100 is nice for me and my family. I bought ice cream with it, so it was great. Um, and the kids really enjoyed that $100. And so, so that, was, that was really cool. And I was thinking, man, this is like, this is cool. Like God, like here, like I'm in the woods and, and with my family on vacation. And like, maybe this is like a Jesus kind of moment. But then something was in my gut, right? I go, oh, man, something's not right here. Not, some, something's off with this situation. And so I started investigating a little bit, asking him a few more questions. His, his female companion come, came over, and I started asking her some questions. Come to find out, she's married to another man. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, okay. I was like, um, and then it hit me, like in the middle of that conversation, they're sitting there on this little log, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, man, this is like fellowship. And I'm going, oh, wait, 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 wait. I know what this is. This is a hookup. That's what's going on here. This is a campground hookup between these two people. And that dude, what he just gave me out of that $100 was a guilt offering. He felt guilty because he found a man of God in the campground. And he had to get that off his conscience. And of course, there was only one tent. So y'all figure it out. First, I thought it was a blessing from the Lord, but something didn't feel right. And I said, man, one moment, this is Jesus. And the next moment, I'm like, this is the devil. And I think it's about having eyes to see how do you know which is which in the moment? How do you know when it's Jesus? And how do you know when it's the devil? And I think it's about having eyes to discern, to actually discern that something is off. It looks like Jesus, but something, something's still not right in this situation. Everything was adding up, and it was still off until I dug a little bit deeper. How can we tell between the kingdom and the devil? As missionaries, as microchurches, we need to be able to discern which is which. This is a Jesus moment, and this is the devil. And like Lucas said last week, we kind of avoid both. We're programmed to just say, well, it, this is luck, and this is just bad circumstances. But we need to be able to tell with our eyes, with our hearts, which is the kingdom in Jesus and which is the devil. And in this passage, that's the context. Jesus just healed a mute guy, and they called it the devil. The kingdom of God is breaking in and around and basically on top of these people, on top of Israel. And they're basically saying, I don't know, is, is anything happening around you? We need a sign. Give me a sign. And then I'll know it's God. They just don't get it. They don't see. Their eyes are not healthy. And let's be honest, our eyes are not healthy either. We just don't see the kingdom clearly. And too often it's a bit like an optical illusion. I want to throw up a few pictures just to kind of share with you optical illusions. Optical illusions are just, we see something, but we also think we're seeing something else. You guys get that, right? So why don't we show a few of these optical illusions? So are these lines horizontal or sloping or straight? You know, and, and the answer is all the lines are straight. If you look at them, 
your eyes say, oh, well, they're sloping, that these lines are crooked, the, the, whole, the lines going this way are crooked, but they're not. They're all straight. Let's go to the next one. If you look at this, um, I don't know if it's working with the projection, but if you look at this, you'll think that it's moving. Does anybody see the movement, right? You see that it's moving? It's not moving. It's a static picture. It's just a JPEG. There's no movement there. It's, it's called the crawling snake illusion, and I think it's pretty wild. <laughs> you, you, your, your eyes only see a static image, and yet something happens in here where you think, oh, that's moving. That's a snake. That's a crawling snake. Okay, next one. How many colors are here? If you get really close, there's like a dark green and a dark red and a light red and a light green. There's actually only two colors. Well, yeah, the white. Outside of the white. Outside of all the colors. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, there's only two colors. Your eyes are only seeing two different types of colors. There's one shade of green and one shade of red, but your brain says there's more. It's an optical illusion. The picture's right in front of you. Do I have any more? Is that it? Ah. So you thought that was a flashlight. It's actually an elephant. <laughs> Optical illusions. Guys, the picture's right in front of you, but you don't see it. It's an illusion. Jesus is right in front of this generation. He shows up, he heals a mute guy, and they respond, we need a sign. We need something more. The sign is right in front of this generation, and they see the devil. Nothing is wrong with their eyes. They're all seeing the same thing. Something's wrong with the inside, with the lamp of the body. There's darkness on the inside, and it doesn't require a change of signs, but a change of sight. And what if we, as a generation, are looking at the world, and what if we are settling for 3D counterfeits? Our souls are tricking us. It's not like we're seeing a mute guy healed and we're calling it the devil. That's, I mean, has anybody done that recently? No? But I bet you what you say is stuff like this. I'm not sure that God's working at all. We just don't see the kingdom at all. My coworkers aren't interested. My neighbors are disinterested. My family's anti-kingdom. And I would know if it was different because there'd be a sign that something is happening. And so we go about our regular days. We get up in the morning for the most part and we just don't think God is there. I mean, let's be honest with each other. We just don't think God is there. We get up and we kind of and real sleep and we brush our teeth and God isn't there. And we fix breakfast and we get our kids off to school and, we, and, and, and God isn't there. And then we make coffee at the office and we make a few jokes by the water cooler about the latest sports events, you know, oh, Conor McGregor or Mayweather, or, who cares, you know, but we do that and God isn't there. We go to our classroom and we try to stay awake, right, students? My goodness, right? I remember taking animal crackers and just nibbling on animal crackers. That was my strategy for staying awake in classes. And, and uh, just, you know, I, I bite the ear first and then the head and then the leg. And that's how I would consume them. And, and I usually would still fall asleep. But we, would do, we do that. And God isn't there. We go out to lunch. We just don't think he's moving. We just don't believe he's moving. We don't see his kingdom advancing anywhere. 
And so we go about answering emails and teaching, attending our meetings and going to class and driving to soccer practices. And surely if God was to show up, there'd be a sign. I would know it. I would know if God were to be moving, there'd be a sign of His presence. Because we're not opposed to God moving. We're not opposed to Jesus showing up, are we? Like we, we're serious here. We, we want to see God's kingdom come and we, we do crucibles and we do microchurches and like we're missionary kind of people and we want to see Jesus show up. And yet we still wait for a sign. We don't see his movement around us. We don't need a change of the signs. We need a change of our sight. And this passage exposes there's darkness on our insides. Something is wrong with the eyes of our hearts. Just like the teachers of the law and the Pharisees of Israel, we don't see Jesus clearly when he shows up. And so Jesus has to bring in the foreigners, the pagans, the sinners into the passage, saying they will actually condemn those who think they know God but don't recognize him when he walks in the room. So what would the pagans of old say to our generation today? So I thought about this for a minute, and so I kind of wrote a letter from the Ninevites. What would the Ninevites say to us? So I don't know, I, I might be wrong, but uh, here's, here's kind of what I thought they might say. I think they would touch on the idea of repentance, like we don't repent when Jesus shows up and says something. So the Ninevites, if, if you don't know, there was a headquarters for Assyria. Assyria was an oppressive government. They basically oppressed and raped Israel. That's like what they did. That's what they enjoyed doing. They were wealthy off the backs of other people, okay? And here's what the Ninevites might say. We oppressed, we cultivated hatred, we exacted revenge, we lied, we stole, we cheated nations. Our God was our stomach and nothing could touch us. We were invincible. And then we heard the clearing call of the prophet. Through the callousness of our sin, we were pricked and the truth drew blood and we were undone. We repented. How come when Jesus speaks, you were slow to listen, slow to respond? Why do the excuses flow from your hearts and your lips? Why are you the exception and so different as not needing to submit to repentance? Turn and repent from your sin, your errors, and yourself. And I think the Queen of the South might say something about not seeking God in desperation. Here's her letter. I searched the land for the wisdom of God. I traveled. I lost time. I crossed rivers, deserts, and countries. I endured hardship, insecurity, prejudice, just so I could somehow hear wisdom. How come when the Spirit speaks, you doubt, you hesitate? Why, when you know there is living water to draw from, you do not run to drink deeply? Why do you look to counterfeits, false hydration, and are eager to take in which, that which does not satisfy? Repent. And begin to run over every obstacle to be in God's presence. Now let's be honest, as a generation, we don't repent. Not quickly. I mean, it takes like a burning bush. It takes like the buildings shaking in our lives for us to change something in our lives. We're kind of content. And we don't run to hear God's voice. We're content with counterfeits, man. We look at the world and we're just okay seeing the moving stake. We just don't see the kingdom clearly. And we miss Jesus when he walks in the room, the room of our microchurches or our outreaches, our neighbor, even in our like, neighbors. We're talking to our neighbors and we're, Jesus is like doing something and we miss it. 
the eyes of our hearts remain unhealthy. And I think God is calling us to have healthy eyes, right? I mean, I would hope so. I hope we're not just like condemned as like a crappy generation. You know, I think he wants us to see his kingdom clearly, to see his reality, because the kingdom is advancing even in Nineveh, even in like our oppressors, even those places where you don't think he's moving and working, guess what he is? And he wants us to see it. He wants us to join us in that. But we need healthy eyes. Sometimes we, uh, we ignore what God is doing. Sometimes we mislabel it as luck or coincidence. And sometimes we call it the devil. A few months back, I, I told you a little bit about my kind of what you, emotional, mental health. Um, I was kind of having panic attacks, right? Um, so kind of last year and beginning of this year, I was just having a hard time. Uh, constriction of the heart, constriction of the heart, uh, fast breathing, you know, panic attacks. Look it up on the internet, Google it, right? So that was going on with me. And I was, I got to the point where I was like, man, something is wrong. I need to like, I need some help. I, I'm like open to anything. And so I actually took a trip to the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. I spent a few days there. I think I told you a little bit about that last time. But while I was there, um, I, I was wide open to anything. And so they have like, you know, sign up for prophecy and sign up for uh, kind of soaking prayer time. And then they also had sign up for deliverance. And so I showed up and I said, man, you know, I got some prophecy and I got some soaking prayer. And, um, and then I, I, was ta- I was kind of debriefing with this woman who's kind of leading me through the weekend. And um, I said, you know, yeah, like I, I think I'd like some deliverance prayer. And uh, she was like, whoa, whoa, do you have a demon? I was like, I don't know. Do I? She's like, I don't know. Do you? She was like, and then she's like, I, she goes, based on what you've told me and what we've talked about, I don't think this is a demon at all. You don't need deliverance. I actually think this is God doing this to you. You should stop calling it the devil. I was like, oh, okay. And that was confirmed later that another guy said the same thing. They hadn't talked. And he sat down, and he was talking to me, and he was just like, he's like, Jeremy, this is, this is serious, what you're going through. But it's actually God preparing you. So it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. Don't call it the devil. God is sometimes working in us, and it feels like he's ripping us apart. Can you see it as him? Can you receive it? as him, his kingdom advancing. I know when Jessica had cancer, um, we were uh, kind of before some of her surgeries. Jessica's my wife, if you don't know. And so she had a very serious diagnosis, and there was a good chance she was going to die. I had a 12% chance of surviving uh, within two years. So it's not very good. Uh, almost a 0% chance at like five. So she's still alive. She's back there. She's awesome. It's been five years. So on stats, right? But we read this John Piper pamphlet that he wrote the night before he had cancer surgery, and it's called Don't Waste Your Cancer. And that was a powerful book. I mean, usually people just go, cancer's the devil. I mean, disease is not kingdom, right? And yet, John Piper's saying, God might actually be sending you into the hospitals, into those rooms, into those relationships that can only be there, that you can only testify as a patient. Don't waste your cancer. God is working around us, in us, around us, and through our circumstances. Can you see it clearly? 
And can you see the kingdom clearly in those people? Those people you don't like very much. Those people that really don't know God. Those people that are really rebellious or really kind of crazy. Do we recognize if Jesus is working in and among the... Who is it for you? Democrats? Republicans? Neo-Nazis? White supremacists? Because I guarantee you the spirit of the living God was also at those rallies, drawing, urging those Nazis into repentance. He doesn't take pleasure in the destruction of the wicked, though we might. We can't wait for God to get them, get them Nazis. And they do need to repent. They do need to turn. It's not cool to be a Nazi in the kingdom of God. And yet, can we recognize that God might be moving there too? Can we have eyes to see, Jesus, what do you want to have happen over here? Is there somebody turning towards your presence, even at that rally, that wicked, wicked rally? Can we see God working among the Ninevites, even our enemies? Can we see clearly the kingdom of God? The, the rest of Luke, what you see is those people coming into the kingdom, the lepers, the outcasts, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. They're all coming into the kingdom. They're all coming in. And do we see it clearly? Who are those people for you? Those Ninevites for you? Jesus is going to Nineveh, and he's drawing the worst to himself. Can you see that clearly too? So God is calling us to have healthy eyes, to see his kingdom inside of us, to see it around us, to even see it in those people. Don't resist what Jesus is doing by calling it the devil. So how do we have healthy eyes? I think we need to learn from the pagans. I think that's why Jesus kind of brings up these people group, these foreigners, to teach us, to lead us. How do we follow Jesus? I think from this passage, there's two things. Healthy eyes need repentance, like quick repentance, like no justification repentance, no mitigation of how bad you, well, I'm not that bad. It's like, no, no, I'm, no, I need to repent. I need to fully turn. I need to walk away. I need to run from my sin. If it's exposed to me, I need to repent. That's what the Ninevites do. They just, he, Jonah walks through the city, takes a couple days to do it, and they basically just rip their clothes dump a bunch of ash on their heads and say, God, have mercy on us. And he does. They weren't asking for the nuances. They weren't asking for, well, what's the detail to this? Or what you don't understand is the way I was brought up as a Ninevite means this. And it's kind of like, no, Jonah's like, no, God's going to kill y'all. You need to repent. He actually, I don't even like the fact that he might actually love you guys. That's Jonah's attitude. He wanted God to destroy them. Didn't want to go preach a message of repentance because he knew God would have mercy on them. But do we repent quickly? I think if you have healthy eyes, you will. Don't, don't become like one of those American Idol people who just gets on American Idol or these talent shows and thinks they genuinely can sing and cannot sing. And, you know, some of those people are like a joke. They just want to be on TV. But some of them, they think they can sing. And the only way that's possible is that they have never listened to a prophet in their life. <laughs> they just don't listen. It's like, ah, you know, they just don't pick up on the signals. Ah, really? You know, when people are like plugging their ears when they're singing, you know, at the karaoke bar, it's like, you know, they empty out a place when they're like really belting one out and they're just not picking up on the prophets. 
They're not open. Don't be an American Idol Christian. Thinking like, oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with my walk with the Lord or whatever, however you want to describe that thing. And you're not listening to any prophets. Man, what if, guys, what if we just actually approached each other? Instead of like wondering, uh, I need to prove my Christianity or I need to prove how much God loves me by my pretend holiness. What if we just said, God loves me, that's enough. Now I can be honest with each other. I can walk up to my friend and say, bro, is there anything in my life that does not glorify Jesus? Please tell me. In genuine openness, please tell me. There could be mutual submission, repentance, running from sin. And we won't get that right all the time. We'll mess that up too. But I'm just saying, like, what if that was our attitude? I, I think we might begin to have healthy eyes. We said, man, if God just like hints at something in my life, I run to him and I run away from that thing. All he has to do is hint at it. So we examine our lives. Man, young folks, some of you guys are pretty young. Uh, you don't want to be taught. This is kind of like the sin of youth. You, you want to learn it on your own. You, you just, you're a unique person. I, you know, that's how y'all do it. That's how y'all old people do it. And um, older Christians do it. Or that's, that was that generation. And we got to figure it out on our own. And there's just no humility to say, uh, old ones, please teach me the ways of the Lord. Like in true humility. Would you please teach me? We need to be going to our fathers and mothers of the faith. Teach me about Jesus. Now, old ones, I might put myself in that category nowadays, and we think we've learned enough. We just think, yeah, I've learned about what I need to learn. And I've kind of like gotten into my pattern. I've gotten into my rut of how I live for Jesus. And I just don't need other people telling me anything else. And I especially don't need some youngins telling me something. I'm saying there's a room for mutual submission to going to each other. Man, please, is there anything in my life that might be astray in the kingdom? Please tell me and I will repent. Can we have this attitude? I, guys, I think if we, if we get there somehow, if we get away from that insecurity, if we walk and God loves us, but yet there's, a, there's this urge to repent, to be like a Ninevite in this way, I think we might find ourselves with healthy eyes. I also think healthy eyes need wisdom, desperate listening for wisdom. The queen, she had the rumor that Solomon had wisdom, and she like moved across continents. Just to, just to check it out. And she was like, I only heard half of what was true. Guys, if there's a rumor for wisdom, guys, if there's a place where we could hear the voice of God, why don't we run? Why don't we get up early? Why don't we schedule time for prayer, scripture, meditation? I know, I know sometimes you're not going to feel like it. Who in here goes, man, I really want to eat broccoli or a cookie? Which or which? You're, you're like, what if it, the broccoli's wrapped in a cookie. You don't, when it comes down to it, you're like, man, you know, I really want the pizza. I don't want to eat healthy, right? I don't, I don't want to, I don't feel like it. Do I always feel like reading the scriptures? Do I always feel like praying? Do I always feel like it? No. Does the Queen of Sheba feel like getting up every day for months to travel to hear wisdom? There's going to be some days where she's going to go, is this really worth it? Do I really want, what if it's not true? What if it's just a rumor? And that she got up every day 
And she moved her whole entire palace to Jerusalem to hear from Solomon. Let's have a genuine relationship with God. Silicon Valley, there's all these books basically saying they're, these uh, you know, CEOs and tech companies and startup companies are actually spending a tremendous amount of energy doing spiritual searching. Tibet meditations and uh, trips, Buddhist trips, they're, they're searching. They're expending a, enormous energy on seeking the maybe of truth. And yet, guys, we, we know truth. We hardly spend any energy at all seeking it. People are responding with much less. And yet we have the Spirit of God. And we have a chance to listen to Him, to know Him, to respond directly to Him. And non-believers are groping, seeking, searching. They'll find Him. God is there to be found. But man, they're go- people are actually going for it. While we're stuffing our faces with his glory, taking for granted his grace and ignoring him because we have so much. We have so much grace. We don't care if we're still sinning. We have so much Bible, we pick and choose what we want to listen to. And our faith is convenient. And when we find ourselves in that place, we do not have healthy eyes. But what if, what if Raven... Uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill is right that the measure of a man is his prayer life. And there's lots of definitions on like what manhood should be or shouldn't be and, and definitely we could like get into that discussion. But what if the men in this room took that serious? Started seeking the face of God. Started like laying out before Jesus and said, God, I don't even know how to pray properly but my prayer life is going to be how I measure my manhood. That's what it's going to be to be a man in your kingdom, God, is I'm going to like lay on my face and seek you and seek you and run after you. Just like the queen ran after the hint of wisdom, I'm going to run after your spirit, God. Not looking for a sign, but looking for him. I think we'd stop justifying our sin. We'd stop playing with the edges of holiness. Guys, revival begins with us. At our leadership summit, we talked about this theme. Revival begins with us. Wherever you're engaged in mission, whether it's the streets or the strip clubs, the classroom, the boardroom, or your living room, the renewal of God's peace and presence, His life, begins with us. Repenting and seeking His face. Guys, if you want to see the advancement of the kingdom clearly, and listen, we don't need a sign. The sign is here. Jesus has defeated death. His spirit is inside of us. We need to be done asking for a sign before talking to our neighbor or looking for a burning bush before we obey or just being open to stop gossiping or looking at porn or taking a risk while waiting for true conviction. We are looking for signs when Jesus, the true sign, is available to us if we would only seek him. To discern what the, what's going on in the kingdom, what Jesus, this is Jesus, to discern this is the devil, we must have lives of repentance and desperate listening. And then we will have eyes to see which is which. But even then, even if we do all that stuff right, we still need revelation from him. You can't work your way into discerning the kingdom in healthy eyes. Healthy eyes can't be achieved saying, Simply saying, I'm sorry, 
and getting up in the morning and saying a few prayers. Healthy, discerning kingdom eyes still need the Spirit of God to reveal the truth to us. We need revelation to see clearly. That's what happened with Abraham. Everybody saw an infertile old man, and God saw a father of nations. David, he was seen as a shepherd boy, and God saw a king. And after the resurrection, Mary, she's walking around in the graveyard, and she sees a gardener. And it took revelation for her to see Jesus as he truly is. Guys, Jesus is here today showing us that we don't need another sign, that we just need sight. We need to be able to see him because he is the sign. We need him to open up our eyes and give us true sight. And we need this. We need this in regular, everyday stuff. It's something that has taught me more than anything is raising teenagers. Praise be to God. I've got a 16-year-old. Her name's Maya. She gave me permission to talk about her, so it's not gossip. But just the other night, she was just having a, she was throwing a teenage tantrum. And uh, uh, does anybody remember what that was like? And I, I don't, I, I threw some of those in my day. Uh, but it seems like the female version is a special kind of crazy. I don't know what's going on there, but I'm like, whoa, this is intense, you know? <clears throat> so, so she's just like, we were trying to do a family thing and go out as a family, and, and she was just like, I don't want to go. Just like, put her foot down. No, I'm not going with you. Screw y'all, you know? That was her attitude. She didn't say that, but she said, I'm not going, you know? Super bad attitude, you know, the FU eyes, like, I know what you're saying with those eyeballs, girl. I'm going to snatch them out your head in a second. Like, that type of thing. And so, you know, we're having this conflict with her, and, and, you know, is it a big deal that she, we were going to the YMCA, and then we were going to go to, like, Publix Deli and eat, like, chicken. Like, that's what we're, it wasn't, like, super, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like we've been planning for months and stuff like that. It was just, we're spending time as a family together. So what's the big deal? And that was kind of her point. Let's, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? And truthfully, it's kind of like, there is no big deal. And yet, in the middle of like processing with her, I'm going, I'm discerning this is actually a kingdom moment. That if I were to give in to the, the teenage tantrum, this is probably more detrimental than, than what it appears on the surface. That something else is going on here. And so I pushed her. I said, baby, you're right. This stuff, is, going to Publix with us, not a big deal. But what I actually think is happening here is you're choosing anti-relationship. You're not choosing to be with us. Actually, you're choosing to make us strangers. And that doesn't happen all the time. I, I think it's okay sometimes for you not to be with us. But I think right now, I think something is happening right now, spiritually, in you and around us, in, in your parents. And if I were to give in to you as a parent, I said, baby, if I gave in to you as a parent, it'd be detrimental to me as a parent because I'd be giving you away. I'd say you're not worth the trouble. Even if you have an attitude the rest of the night, I'm giving up on you. And I don't think that's going to be good for me as a dad either. So you're giving up on us and we're giving up on you. I think that's actually what's happening in this moment. And I told her, I was like, that, I'm not sure this is true for every moment like this, but I think that's happening right now. I'm discerning that's what's happening right now. Guys, and I think in everyday, regular stuff, we need healthy eyes to see. I don't think if I had unhealthy eyes, I'd be able to see that. I wouldn't be able to discern those nuances of the teenage life 
and how to be a good parent because I haven't done it before. I'm not an expert. This is my first time out. I'm pretty sure I'm going to mess it up quite a bit. So where am I going to get wisdom from? I need, I need some wisdom, God. I will mess this up. And I need your voice. We need it for everyday little things. Eyes to see when our kids are acting out. And asking the question, Jesus, where is your kingdom in this? When that relative calls you, Jesus, where is your presence here? Discerning our, our hearts when we spend money. God, show me your heart. Show me what's actually in my heart as I'm spending your money. When we hear the police sirens at night, Jesus, what's going on? And walk into that classroom. God, where are you sitting here today? I want to sit next to you. Reveal this to us, Jesus. It doesn't matter how much you repent or how much you pray in the morning, you will still be desperate for the Spirit of the living God to reveal that stuff to you. You won't be able to figure it out on your own. You can't have healthy eyes on your own. And we need Him. We need the eyes of our hearts to be opened. We need to follow the example of Nineveh and the Queen and humble ourselves to seek God and beg Him and run after Him, guys, in the morning or at night or actually throughout the whole day. God, what are you showing me? What are you doing here? And I think when we get it, when we get those healthy eyes, missionaries, this is when you get to join Jesus in His mission as a sign. Because Jesus is a sign. The Son of Man is a sign to the nations. And when we get healthy eyes, we actually get to join Him as being that sign. But not because of our preaching. And not because we're doing miracles. But because of our humility. Because of our desperate listening to Jesus. Because of our love for the Ninevites. The first revival begins with us and new eyes. I want to call us to something that um, a little bit different as a, as a way of response. I want us to pray for each other today, uh, kind of right before communion. Um, we, we're just going to project an Ephesians prayer. And it's called an apostolic prayer. This is what Paul writes. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I just want to spend a few minutes. I just think this is something we should pray for ourselves, but Paul shows us the example. He's actually praying it for another. I think it would be kind of cool if we just spend a few minutes praying for each other in this way. So um, what I thought would be nice and uh, hopefully not too awkward is what if you just kind of like put your hand gently on the shoulders of the person next to you? It's the laying on of hands. Now, if you're kind of like, I'm not into that, man. Like, this is my first time here. Or, like, I don't really like people touching me. Just say that politely to the person. Just be like, give them, just turn to them and be like, nope, not, nope, not today. Maybe next week. Maybe after my eyes are enlightened, I can take that. But right not right now, no. So, it, you know, as, as is appropriate. But I just want to give us, I'll just kind of pray a quick prayer. And then I'll give you space to pray, to read this prayer, to pray this prayer, you, you can either just straight up read it, you can kind of embellish it, kind of, 
you know, pray a little bit more, kind of whatever the Father's putting on your heart for this person next to you. They may be a stranger. They may be best friend. I don't know. But God, right now, I'm just asking, would you give us love for the person next to us? That we, we love each other enough to beg you for wisdom and revelation, to beg you for eyes that are open, God. Would you give us kingdom eyes, Jesus? And would we love each other enough to go before you and ask for that? You're a good father. You give good gifts. And so we, as your dirty, nasty children, are asking you, pour out your spirit. Let's just spend a few minutes and pray for each other. God, we're asking that you would open up our eyes. That you would actually make us healthy. You would work on the inside, God. That we'd be able to see how you're calling us into repentance. You'd see how desperate we are to listen to you. And also, God, that you would open up our eyes to see how you're working in those people out there. May we join you in your mission to them. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and said this is my body it's my body given to you do this in remembrance of me the same way he took the cup and we poured it out he says this is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me when you drink this cup you eat this bread you declare the death and resurrection Jesus, until he returns. God, give us eyes to see. The body and blood of Jesus given to you.